You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Grizzlies show, this Wednesday edition of the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark King, for the show. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Locked On Grizz. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at King underscore producer. If you have a moment, make sure you go rate, review the show on iTunes. It would be a uh, super great help. And when you guys leave a review, it bumps our show up even higher in the rankings. So uh, got a, a, a good show for you today. Joe Mullenick, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues, joining me for his weekly segment, as I noted in the yesterday's show. He is moving from Thursdays to Wednesdays because uh, the Grizzlies have a lot of games on Wednesdays this month. So we're trying to not stay up as late because we record the uh, conversations the night before we post the shows. So we're trying not to stay up till midnight every night. So um, I appreciate everybody's uh, understanding that. So he'll be on today in Wednesday's show. Uh, other than that, we'll talk about a few other things. We'll cover um, a few things. Jevin, Javon Carter uh, won and just kind of his play. Um, and then we've obviously talked about Marcus All. And then um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, that practice yesterday. And uh, J.B. Bickstaff mentioned some things in practice that I thought were interesting about the Chandler Parsons situation. So we'll do all that, and then we'll come back with uh, that last segment with Joe Mullinax's conversation. Uh, the first two segments in these two won't be very long because I kept Joe a little longer than normally. He stayed for almost 20 minutes. We talked about uh, everything that's kind of happened over the past week, including Parsons and Mark Gasol and uh, kind of tanking and all that stuff. So uh, he'll be with us there in that last segment. But I do want to start out with, uh, so com- comments that were made by uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, um, I think we're telling. Um, as I've seen reported that that uh, J.B. wanted to play Chandler, uh, he wanted Chandler active. Bickerstaff had some some definitely some comments on the Chandler parts of the situation, which I thought were telling. Um, he he, I don't know the exact quote, but he basically mentioned that there there's always going to be disagreements between him and management. Um, he kind of said so much as the fact that uh, he wanted to play Chandler, he wanted him here. Uh, you know, he mentioned that he there were always going to be those kind of disagreements, and you have to move on and and you have to talk those things out, which I thought was interesting. I you know I. I'd seen that that he wanted Chandler to be there. I'd seen that he wanted Chandler to play. Um, so this is very much a front office Chandler Parsons issue. This is very much a Chris Wallace and Chandler Parsons issue. And so I'm not sure, um, you know, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense when you have you have someone like JB looking at someone like Chandler. And sure, he's been he's been hurt most of the time, but you know, you have what the idea of Chandler. You have something that you can. In your mind, you're like, oh well, he he maybe could help us because I'm looking at the end of my bench right now. At this point, it's you know Marshawn Brooks and and Wayne Selden and and guys that are not helping at all. And, and it's the same thing we have with Javon Carter and Shelvin Mack. Well, he may not be better. He may be hurt. But you're looking at these other guys, and he can't be worse than what he can't be worse than what I have right now. So um, I thought that was interesting. The fact that uh, he kind of not so much um, kind of a, a, a roundabout way said that. Uh, you know that that he he wanted to play that 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 those things those type of things happen. Um, it, something else that we we I saw uh, Chris Harrington put out there in one of his his article from the from the Daily Memphian. I thought that was this was very interesting. And shout out to Chris because he did a deep dive on Marcus numbers. This is after our conversation, obviously Tuesday. Uh, but make sure you go read Chris Harrington's uh, articles at the Daily Memphian uh, at dailymemphian.com. Get their subscription because because it's awesome. Uh, but but here's an, the idea that. Uh, Marcus all is, 
he's ninth in the league in, in minutes played this season. I mean, that's just that's incredible. He's the only seven footer in the top twenty besides Carl Anthony Towns, who is twelve years younger uh than Mark. I mean, that's insane. Uh the only other player in Gasol's age, thirty three or older, that's in the top twenty is PJ Tucker, and he's a role player at best. I mean, arguably the most overworked uh player in the league is Mark Gasol. And he he's just he's exhausted. And like I like I said on yesterday's show, I said again on today's show. If he's following me on Twitter, I've, I've said it on Twitter. We've talked about it there. Um, it, it's just it's asinine to think that Marcus All doesn't need rest. It's it's just insane to me to think that you you don't want to give this guy any rest at all, except for the All Star break, knowing that he's probably not super healthy. And even if he's not healthy, he's probably just exhausted. And at that point in your career, you put this many miles on a body that big. You know, you need rest. You need more rest than other people. I mean, and even if you don't want to sit him, JB has to find a way in game, in the game, to get him rest. Um, I mean, you can easily start. You can easily start Jaron Jackson at the five, or you can even rotate Jaron. You can you can still start Mark if you want, but you can rotate Jaron Jackson at the five. You can put Kyle Anderson at the four more. You can put Armory Caspi at the four. I mean, isn't this what you got Joe Kim Noah for? If you're gonna play Joe Kim Noah, let let him. You know, I guess situate where Joe Kim Noah and and you play uh Jaron Jackson Jr. maybe Jamaka Green together more. You play, you know, what whatever you gotta do, but you have three other bigs on the team that can that can play the four or the five. So you you're in a situation actually you have three other bigs that can play the five. You got four or five other guys that can play the you know four and the five all together. And between those places Ami Casper can play the four, Kyle Anderson can play the four. I mean these things are are, are what is required of the coach. It's on him to try to get him rest. I mean, he, you have to, no matter what Gasol says, you have to try to find a way to get him rest. And uh, I, I've obviously talked enough about Mark Gasol and his ability to sit down in the front office. So I'm going to stop talking about him. But hopefully the Grizzlies will do that. They're not going to. Uh, they're not going to. Whatever, as much as I talk about it, as much as everybody writes about it, they're just, they're not, um, they're not going to do it. But. Uh, anyway, we're taking a quick break. We'll be back. We'll talk about Javon Carter and his backup uh, roles, what has been over the past few uh, games. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Javon Carter has been subbed in for Shelvin Mack as the go-to backup point guard, but has not been great. Uh, hasn't been has has been good on defense. I'll put it that way. He's been he's been um very good on defense, very competitive, uh but he has not been great offensively. He is uh 3 and 17 over the last 3 games in his uh shooting and it's not something that is going to be able to continue for you uh as far as getting the backup minutes. Cuz if you can't produce, um it's just not going to work for you, but uh he still he still needs time. It's just one of those game it's just one of those it's one of those things where, yes, he's not producing now, but obviously he's he's a rookie and he's only played, you know, really two, three, three games consistently. Now he knows he's the backup point guard. Had a spot stretch of three, three games earlier in that road trip, but has only played three games consistently. So it's one of those things. Yes, he's his offense. Offense is not great. Has not been has not been good at all. Um, but it's about what you've got with uh, with Chelva Mack. He had two points 
and that Brooklyn loss, six points, and the San Antonio loss, zero points, and the Pelicans loss, that's about what you were getting with Shelvin Mack. So um, it, it's it's one of those things where he deserves a little more time. He, he deserves a little more time to come along just to see what he, his game can do as he adjusts to uh, the NBA, the offense, just everything. And so uh, as long as he can stay competitive in his defense, as long as he can still uh, – be out there defensively, uh, stealing the ball, creating uh, turnovers, uh, all those type of things. I think you can leave him out there. Um, obviously, the, this team has has definite problems with their backup uh, bench and uh, their secondary players scoring the basketball. They need more offense, but I think it's also uh, for good for, for your long term franchise goals. I think you have to be out, leave him out there, see what he can do. Uh, see if his offense comes along, and then if you're you look up next week, maybe a week and a half, two weeks, you know if he's still in the same position, then that's when you start to make decisions, and and you either, you know, a he's not ready for the NBA, he needs to go back to the G League or or whatever. But you, I think you at least give him at least another week and a half, um, and then you give him that'll give him like you know at least ten games under his belt. Um, at that point, you can start making a, you can start making statements on what you think he might be, uh, what you think he could be. But um, I think right now, three games in, it's still a little bit early. Uh, but he he'll definitely have to turn around and off offensively if he's going to want to stay as the backup point guard. Um, I think that's I think that's very fair. <laughs> I think that's fair. All things considered, with a rookie head, with a rookie point guard, give him time, give him a little leash, let him play, and that goes the same for Jaron Jackson Jr. But he's obviously uh, got different. He's it's a different situation with his his fouling and all that. But uh, Javon Carter, we'll see how it goes over the next week and a half. We'll we'll, we'll uh, track his progress and see if we can see if we can see how he's playing and how he develops and gets better. Uh, but coming up next, Joe Melnick, site manager of Grizzly Rare Blues, him and I's conversation about all things that happened uh, past week and uh, just about Parsons, Gasol, everything and everything uh, that has happened over the past week. We talk about it, so enjoy that coming up after the break. All right, welcome back to the show, uh, Joe Mullenix. Site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues joins me as always on a different day this week. On Wednesday, uh, as you know, we changed his uh, day from Thursday to Wednesday this week, just because, uh, or for the for the uh, foreseeable future, uh, because uh, the Grizzlies play a lot on Wednesday. It seems like so we're trying not to stay up too late as we record the night before. But Joe, what's going on, man? Not too much. Uh, I appreciate the change of schedule. You know, I'm on the East Coast, and the listeners are not know that, so. Um, and you cover the game, obviously, for GBB, grizzlybearblues.com. So it, it makes for late nights for us when we're recording at 11 o'clock here at midnight mine after you've you know, worked a full day and then gone and covered the game. So it's kind of a, a two-way thing. It, it saves our sanity as we, as we try to grind along this season as it reaches the halfway point. Absolutely. And uh, the Grizzlies are not making it much easier on us, although it seems like we talked last week and, and the Grizzlies had had a roller coaster. Uh, of, of just craziness happening at the forum, and, and I thought that might be it. And then uh, Grizzlies make a trade, and then on Sunday the Grizzlies and, and Chandler Parsons announced they would part ways. So I want to start there with you. Um, you know, I, I think I, people probably know my stance on uh, on on this situation as uh, we've talked about it in in a couple of days now. But I want to get your take on on the the Parsons uh, Grizzlies situation. Well, I think that the, the most important thing to understand is both sides screwed this up. And I think Brandon Abraham, uh, one of our senior writers over at GBB, did a great job kind of breaking that down for our readers. It's a fault of both sides. You know, on Chandler Parsons' side, he definitely should have been willing, more willing, you know, 
Grizzly Bear Blue, as we reported uh, from a source, that Parsons was offered that three-game homestand uh, with the hustle that's going on this week down in South Haven uh, as an opportunity to go and rehab and do that sort of thing, and he rejected it. Now, in fairness, Parsons, if it's not clear how that rehab would work, uh, a, a decisive plan that would eventually lead to him returning to the floor for the Grizzlies, he probably never got that from Memphis. And because of that, that's where the impasse came. So I think the Grizzlies certainly could have handled this better in terms of their communication with Chandler, in terms of the overall process of bringing Chandler in in the first place, which has been talked about here, there, and everywhere. Um, that all adds up. But I also think that it's across the board just a tough situation. I mean, Memphis had to swing for the fence in order to get a free agent because people like to you know, execute revisionist history a little bit. Chandler Parsons was one of the biggest available free agents during that time period. Um, Dallas was interested for the right price. Obviously, it wasn't the max. Portland was interested. It wasn't the max, but most reports have it as more than Dallas. Uh, the Grizzlies were the one team that was willing to offer the max, and Parsons, you know, he said it himself. He wasn't going to let Memphis leave his house. Um, the Grizzlies had to overpay for him. They thought he was healthy, or, or even if they knew that he wasn't healthy that first season, they thought he could recover uh, for the next three. And that just wasn't the case, obviously. And now you have a team that has to make the most of that situation. It's not necessarily Chandler's fault that he lost his health, but it is Chandler's fault that he didn't do more to show in these last few weeks that he was willing to do what it took to get back on the floor. And it's the fault of the Grizzlies in the front office to not give him, you know, if Parsons went down there for three games in South Bay and did a rehab stint, and it was clearly playing to a level where he could help a team that's lost six straight games, I think it would be insane to not put him in. Uh, but I guess the way that it looks is that wasn't necessarily what they were interested in, and it, it was just kind of a <laughs> an impasse, so to speak, where both sides weren't going to budge, and it was best for them to part ways, at least for now. How do you think this – how do you think the situation ultimately plays out for Parsons? I mean, he, he obviously still owed $38 million. There, There are, you know – Obviously, the Grizzlies are probably looking for a trade, but as reported, they're unwilling to part with a first-rounder, so I think that's probably a, a non-starter for uh, anybody looking to trade this year. But where do you think this ultimately how – how do you think this ultimately plays out with Parsons? I think in the very unlikely scenario that if the Grizzlies somehow reeled off seven or eight wins straight after a six-game losing streak and they were able to find a way to find themselves around three or four games over 500 – at the trade deadline, they probably would be more interested in moving that first-round pick. I'm not saying they should by any stretch of the imagination, but if you compare a first-round pick with Chandler Parsons and bring in, say, you know, a longer contract like Parker uh, Sheehan get a great post, uh, I know other parts running through here, Justin Lewis get a great post uh, over at GBB for this past uh, Tuesday talking about different trade ideas, and it was like Jan Mahimi and, and Otto Porter for Parsons and Garrett Temple and Jermichael Green. It's probably not enough to get Porter just in that deal, but if you tag a first-round pick to it, I think the Wizards would be interested. You know, that frees up some money for them. Uh, it makes them a little more flexible, especially in the wake of the John Moore contract, which might be rapidly taking over Chandler's contract as the worst in the NBA. Um, it, it, it's going to take a first to get the deal done this year. I think that if they go on a run of success, it's possible they do that. I think it's unlikely that they go on that run of success. Um, I think that puts them in a place where they look to the summer. It makes it a lot easier once he becomes an expiring contract to trade him. Somebody could just buy him out 
there's always teams that are looking for that kind of flexibility in the cap and you send back a second round pick or a young player and it makes things a little bit better on that front. Uh, and they also could always just buy him out. You know, that's also a possibility. It'd be really hard to buy him out right now. Um, but similar to Jake Moore's situation in New York, you know, you get into next season and you pay him a little bit less than what he was owed and they agree to just take that lump sum and, you know, Chandler wants to get another contract. You know, Parsons isn't, I, I think he's 30. He's roughly the same age as Mike, I think. Uh, he, he wants to keep playing basketball. So it's not necessarily that he sees this as his last deal. He wants to prove that he can play again. If he's never going to play in Memphis and they prove that for the rest of the season, then he probably would be more willing to take that buyout probably next winter or November, December. Yeah, as I've detailed, I don't think this gets, I think this gets resolved uh, probably one of two ways. I think either they either stretch him in the uh, summer this year, or they hold on to him until next year. And during that now, trade, I will say this: I would not stress provision him. That, that to me is the worst possible outcome of this. Is if they decide to keep that hit, even in a smaller dose, over the next three years, I think that limits them more. At, at this point, I would just bite the bullet. Even if Marcus opts in on his contract this summer, which at this stage I don't know why he wouldn't. Uh, that's twenty-five million dollars, and his next contract is not going to be for twenty-five million dollars in a year. Um, say Gasol opts in, and then you negotiate a, ch- a cheaper deal with him, you know, something along the lines of what Zebo did, two years, $22 million, whatever it might be. Uh, the $14 million coming off the books from Mark's old deal, plus the $25 million coming off the books from Chandler, that gives you the opportunity to sign a max player if you want to. That gives you flexibility in trades. Plus, hopefully they find a way to get this first-round pick to convey in 2019, and it just makes them more flexible. So you bite the bullet now. I would not stretch him this summer. I think that's the that would be the biggest mistake they could make, maybe even more than taking a first-round pick and trading him. Now, I, I debate that. They're both really bad ideas, uh, but I would not stretch him by any stretch. Yeah, I think that's just – I think that's the the path the Grizzlies probably uh, might know. take. You might be you right. Know, but, but personally, I think they just hold on to him. I think they That's just send I him think. away. I think I think they just hold on to him and send him away and say we were gonna we were planning on paying this money anyway. You go right. away and then next year during the trade deadline when that twenty five million actually becomes valuable to someone when they only have to you know they only have to suffer through three months or whatever it is of that contract doesn't look that bad in the off season and it's immediately gone you know and it immediately immediately goes away. Um, that's personally my what, what I would do. Just I mean, and reports have suggested that the Grizzlies are interested in taking on long-term money to get off of the contract. So a Nikola Batum kind of deal. Uh, we talked about Otto Porter. You know, there's other guys out there that maybe aren't as good as even those two. Well, especially Porter. Batum's a, a shell of his former self. But if Memphis, is, but at least Batum's playing. You know what I mean? Like right now, you're getting nothing out of Chandler Parsons. At least Nikola Batum is a rotation player for the for the Hornets. So I think as time goes on, those types of trades become more likely. And that's definitely – I think that's the most likely scenario. Either they hold on to him until next trade deadline or around there, like you said, or they find a way to get a buyout done. Um, but I think those are the two most likely scenarios, some sort of trade or uh, the buyout. I don't, I don't see a stretch provision, and I definitely don't see him getting bought out this year. I think this will go into the summer and fall of next year – or, uh, excuse me, later this year. Yep, it is definitely not going to be resolved uh, anytime quickly. You mentioned Marc Gasol, and I've uh, been talking about him, I think, all day. I talked about uh, him in the majority <laughs> of one of, in one of the segments this morning uh, in the podcast. But uh, Marc Gasol, uh, some, uh, you know, a player that is notoriously stubborn, um, it is no coincidence that the Grizzlies' defense has been awful since he went down with injury. 
what's your take on Marcus all, you know, either sitting or like I've said at the front office, you know, has to physically say, Hey, you're not playing because you're hurt. Not only for the team's sake, but for Marcus all's long-term future. I mean, even after he gets out of basketball, you, you don't want him to continually injure himself. What, what's your take on, you know, either Mark, you know, rec, you know, finally have some self-awareness or even the front office of the coaching staff saying, you know, forcing him to sit down. He's exhausted. I think I read something today. I think it was Chris Harrington of Daily Memphis, and I want to give proper credit. I'm pretty sure it was him. But anyway, he wrote about how many minutes he's played, and I was going to do an article about that later on this week when I looked at the midseason kind of review of the Grizzlies because I knew it had to be a lot, but Harrington did a deep dive, and it was very good. I would recommend it if anybody checks out the Daily Memphian and has a subscription uh, to their site. But um, I think he's ninth in the NBA in total minutes played. The only other seven-footer that's in the same boat as him is Carl Anthony Count, who I believe is 12 years his junior, uh, top 20 might have been. Um, the, only, the only player in the top 20 who is around Gasol's age in minutes is P.J. Tucker, who is not asked to do nearly as much for the Rockets as Gasol is asked to do for the Grizzlies. So you could argue he's the most overworked player in the NBA. And that's extremely frustrating because he's 34 years old. Excuse me. He's losing his footing, obviously. He has the ankle injury that everybody has kind of set as the point where he has started to tail off in terms of his game. I just think he needs to sit. I don't think he's washed. I really don't. I, he looks too good. Father time's undefeated, but usually Father Time doesn't add the haymaker and then fall off a cliff, which is what I mean. Like, it's a gradual decline, and I just don't see Mark as being this bad now uh, that quickly. I think he's not healthy. I think he's exhausted. I think the All-Star break can't get here fast enough if they're not going to be able to, whether it's the coaching staff or the front office, make him sit for a week or two. Um, I just can't, I can't fathom that he has gotten this bad this quickly. Uh, it, it's just hard for me to see that. I do think that he's exhausted. I think he's worn down. I think that they asked him to do a lot. I think that you see the way that they use Jermichael Green, and they don't use Kyle Anderson in the four, and it's frustrating um, in terms of being able to get more minutes out of those guys there. And that would alleviate some of the pressure on Gasol to be in the rotation as much as he is. He is such an important piece. If they truly think they can get back in this playoff hunt, which at the end of the day, they're only three and a half games out of. You know, you and I could be back recording next week, and they win three games straight, and now they're a game out of the eighth seed. And it's a different conversation again. But in order for them to turn this around, they have to find a way to get this all going. And I don't think it's scheme, and I don't think it's getting him less minutes or fewer minutes or more minutes or whatever it might be, or more minutes with a certain player at this stage. I think he just needs three or four games off. And I think that J.B. Bickerstaff and the coaching staff need to get him to buy into that. I think you need to start Jaron Jackson at the five, slide Kyle Anderson to the four. But, <clears throat> excuse me, let Justin Holiday come in and be a starter for you alongside Garrett Temple. Or if you want to start Dylan Brooks once he comes back from his toe injury, that's fine too. Um, but you've got to get to a place where you give a different look to get a couple of fluky wins. The teams won't expect you to come out in that type of smaller lineup and you can knock a couple of guys off just because they're not ready for what you're throwing at them. And it also serves the purpose of getting the solid breather. So that's what I'd like to see them do. It's not going to happen because J.B. Bickerstaff, in part, is the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies because of Mark Gasol and his support of him. And that connection, you know, Mark's going to do what he wants to do and has had that ability for the past five years or so with the coaching staff that have been in place. So he's going to keep playing, but he shouldn't. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think it's a scheme thing here. I think he's just exhausted. 
And the problem with the, the problem with JB is that he was put in place because he was a player's coach. Well, right. if you really want to look out for your players and their best interest, the best interest is their health. And their best interest is, is, is sitting. I mean, to be, to be quite honest, if you want to you want to be the player's coach and be there for the guys and, and look out for their best interest or whatever you want to say, that's their best interest. Uh, and not and not doing that, I think, is, is a travesty. I think it's it's a disservice to the team as well as a disservice to Marcus Gasol, his health, not only short term, but also long term. Um, it, it's just frustrating to see that like you, like you everything you pointed out. It's frustrating to see and also know at the same time that it's just it's not going to happen. We can sit here and talk days and days and days about what they should do, but we, you and I both know it's just not going to happen, and that's that's the unfortunate part, and that's the most frustrating part, I think, for for, for us and then for everybody else that watches these games. Um, I just I don't understand how you can how the front office can go through and look at look at the situation or JB and look at the situation and, and know know that you should do that, but they're not going to, um, and I think that's that's probably. Uh, the starting point on, on some of these things that Mark's just got a little bit, maybe maybe he's got too much say, maybe he's got too much power. I don't know what the, I don't know what the end all be all is on that, but sure. um, he, you know he, he, he you got to get to a point with, when you're the coach of those players um, that you have to look out for their best or just for for good or for bad, you know, because if he had a set whenever he actually rolled his ankle, they probably would have lost some games. But guess what? They they lost a bunch of games anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but the Grizzlies back in action tomorrow against the Spurs. Um, I, we were going to talk about one more thing. I'm, not, I'm, I'm blanking on what else, what the other thing we were going to talk about now. Um, but yeah. Well, okay. I think the, the main thing that we were going to focus on was the, the general concept. Of, oh yes. The, the, the tank. We, we, right. We, I, I covered this in today's podcast as well. And let's just a little bit. And I, I gave them, I gave everybody my reasons why this is a bad idea. Uh, but what do you think? Are you are you are you anti-tank still? Or are you uh, where are you laying on this issue? I think that I'm going to reserve judgment. I, I've already been burned once making calls early. Uh, I, I I broke my call me a Christmas rule this year and thought they were back and then they fell off a cliff. So I, I'm going to wait a few weeks. Um, I talked to Gary Derby over on Grizzly Bear Blues Live a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he does the Grizzlies pregame show for 92.9. And he and I both agreed, and I'm going to come on his show, and he's going to come back on the podcast. They have a five-game homestand coming up. I know you know that, Mark, because we're going to be covering most of those games for us over the visit their Blues. If they're still in the boat that they're in now or even worse after that five-game homestand, they need to be sellers, and they need to sell every short, you know, short expiring contract, whether it's to Michael Green, Derek Temple, Shelvin Mack. They need to move as many of those pieces as they possibly can to get second-round picks, young players, whatever is actually of value for those guys, that's when you become sellers uh, to these uh, these contenders because the Grizzlies won't be a contender. However, if you somehow miraculously turn this thing around and you come back and all of a sudden you're a few games over 500, well, now you're trying to be a seller again, perhaps. Maybe you're trying to, to package a future second and a player like Shelvin Mack who's out of the rotation. Maybe that gets you somebody that's heading into restricted free agency that a team doesn't want to pay that's possible. You know, there's opportunity there in theory uh, as the trade deadline approaches. It comes down to where they are three weeks from now, and obviously the Spurs game Wednesday night is a big piece of that, but also the homestand coming up. You know, I, they have a lot of games on the road. These next six, I think, four and the next six are outside of Memphis, but after that, like I said, that five-game homestand heading into the end of the month, 
is gigantic. So I, I believe it's the 29th they play the Denver Nuggets, and that's going to be the time where we kind of can point and say, okay, team is officially dead, or okay, this team still has a shot. To me, you still try to convey that 2019 pick at all costs. I had them at 39 wins before the season. If they're able to convey the 2019 pick uh, in a draft that's a little bit weaker outside of the top three guys, then there's extreme value in that for me. And I think that they need to really prioritize that so their future can start once these Gasol, Conley, and Parsons contracts come off the books over the next couple of years. I think you're absolutely right on that. They have to be able to convey this pick no matter what. Unfortunately, I think if you start to start start to tank now, you're never going to catch up with the people in front of you. But right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they even get into that situation because I don't. You know, they're they're being they're being bad just like last year for a long time. Last year they just, they were just bad, and it didn't matter what they did; they were going to lose anyway. And they're running into kind of the same situation now, where yeah, they're trying to win, but it just it doesn't matter anyway because you, no matter right. what you do, you still lose. So anyway, Joe Mullenix, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues. Joe, thanks for joining me again this week, man. Absolutely. Not a problem. Happy to hop on. Great job. Keep up the good work, Mark. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks again to Joe Mullen, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues, joining me uh, as always for his weekly segment. Again, if you're not following the show on Twitter, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Grizz. Make sure you uh, go like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Locked on Grizzlies. Uh, if you have a question, want to email me for the Monday mailbag, you can email me at Locked on Grizz at gmail.com. If you want to be a feature sponsor of the show, also just email me. LockedOnGrizz at gmail.com. We'll get you hooked up. It'll be a great time. We have a great audience on this show. Make sure you go rate, review in iTunes. Follow us on uh, in Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can just simply go to LockedOnGrizzlies.com.